Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit National Gambling Support Line 800-522-4700. Muckleshoot Casino is your destination for more than 3,000 gaming machines, action-packed table games, and the largest smoke-free area in the state, plus a newly remodeled casino floor and new center bar. Use your player's club card to earn points for free play, meals, or cash back. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Visit us online to learn more about our safety measures. Horse Racing Northwest here at Emerald Downs. Talking thoroughbred horse racing, mostly at Emerald Downs, especially since it's our closing week for the 2020 season, which began on June 24th, right after summer started. It's not summer anymore, but boy, we had good weather last week and expecting a couple nice days for our two closing days this Wednesday at 2.25 p.m. and Thursday at 5 p.m. Joe with the Vince Brune on Horse Racing Northwest, our producer, director, Editor Cy Labar. Vince, we had the lid lifter back in June, and we are ready for getaway day this Thursday. You're right, Joe, and you mentioned racing. 11 races Wednesday, October 28th to 15, and 11 races Thursday, October 29th, getaway day, 5 o'clock. Great numbers closing week, mm. Joe. We're averaging 8.3 horses a race closing week. Final pick five of the season on Thursday, 48 horses in there. So it's going to be some good, solid handicapping. Doing the line was a challenge. Yeah. And when I say that, it actually it has produced big results. So it's going to be a challenge this week, and we love that. That's great. Yeah. Closing day field size has always been really good. I think at most racetracks, including Emerald Downs, we've had some really good, I think we were 8.9 on closing day last year, horses per race, and you just mentioned the last pick five of the season races seven through 11 this Thursday, uh, over nine horses per race entered. That is fantastic. So get your handicap and shoes on and uh, it's uh, going to be a challenge. We had some really outstanding matchups this week. Uh, hey, guests today on Horse Racing Northwest, John White's going to join us, the Spokane native. Uh, expert on local Washington racing and, of course, the Breeders' Cup Uh is at Keeneland this year, but John is fully invested with his different media outlets via via radio or websites. 
Uh, John's going to join us. And Bill Tillett is going to retire. That uh, makes us sad around here because Bill has been a fixture in Washington racing since the late 1960s. And uh, Vince, uh, you've always uh, liked Bill. Uh, all of us have. I sure have, Joe. He's got 311 wins here, number 17 all time. Like you say, a fixture. His, him and his wife, Donna, mm. always very upbeat, nice people. And and Bill's a heck of a good trainer. You know, he's a little low on the numbers this year. Quick story, and that 89 Long Acres Derby. The week before the race, he had Harmony Creek work a mile with Jose Corrales up. I was there. I watched it, and I might have been your brother, Joe. I said, there's the, there's the Long Acres Derby winner. He worked in 37 and change. And did I bet him? No. Uh, Raza Stanza came up for Charlie Whittingham, and I somehow got, you know, the big California shipper and all that. And Harmony Creek ends up winning, I believe, at 5-1. to one. I think, Yeah, maybe 9-2. to two, And five it was a very convincing winner and a great training job by Bill Tillett. And uh, it came back and ran third in the mile, in which was, was uh, really a great achievement for oh. a three-year-old. Heck yeah, that was tremendous, and that that's going to be part of our trivia question this week. The 1989 season of Harmony Creek, trained by Bill Tillett, and uh, yeah, that Derby was off a lengthy layoff as he had won one of the sprint stakes for three-year-olds early in the meet, and he was off right. at least three months heading into that Derby. And that's hence the mile work the week before the race in front of the fans there, and uh, a brilliant work in in. Bill, Bill showed his uh, skills as a horseman there, but he's far from a what he wonder, Joe. We know that. Uh, he's yeah. had the goods over the years. He certainly has produced. Harmony Creek paid eleven eighty. Eleven eighty, yeah. Yeah. And uh, our producer of uh, Today at Long Acres, Steve Woodruff, he heard Bill Tillett talking about that horse. We did a lead-up interview for the show, and he goes, I'm going to bet on that horse. And he rarely bet. I think he bet 100 bucks to win right on Harmony Creek. Yeah. So... Bill Tillett joining us, John White joining us. It's closing week at Emerald Downs. Uh, we have some slam dunk categories for seasonal honors. Uh, the jockey, trainer, and owner races have been well decided. Uh, they'll get recognized in the winner's circle on Thursday. Alex Cruz, Frank Lucarelli, and Chad and Josh, Chad Christensen and Josh McKee leading owners. But uh, Claimer of the Meat is uh, going to be interesting with uh, some possibilities of horses this week. Sure is. So Machi Kid uh, finished second last week. So he finished the meet with uh, four wins. We got a ton of horses with three. Three of those are running this week that have three wins. Pinup Lady runs in race seven on Wednesday. Pure Pursuit, been a real hard hitter. Three, two, and O oh in six starts. He runs in uh, race 10 on, uh, on uh, Wednesday. And Stay in Grace who's been 3-2-0 and oh, in six starts, a really nice Oregon-bred mare. She runs in the opener on Wednesday tomorrow. Pure Pursuit still has the fastest six at the meeting, doesn't Correct. it? Correct. I believe it was 108, and I want to say 0. .70. Yeah. So Pure Pursuit, uh, three wins last week, always working. Remember to breathe. Buckley Bay won their uh, third races at the meeting. and They're not running this week, so they ended with three. So Amachi Kid still the only horse with four and uh, some possibilities of others to join him, and that'll be a vote. Uh, we'll turn those in after those horses you mentioned race on closing day at Emerald Downs. Uh, let's see. John White's going to join us. Do you want to go over the weekly honors from uh, our previous week, which was sure. very eventful? You bet. Gary Wales somehow hadn't won Jockey of the Week this hmm. year, Joe. Uh, three wins. 
Uh, he's following up his championship season with a good third in the standings. Chance to maybe get second. Bill Tillette got uh, a win with uh, Mitch and Johnny, so he's our trainer of the week. Ethan's Animal, nicely bred horse mm. by uh, Animal Kingdom out of the Washington champion Ethan's Baby. Got a nice maiden win for Todd and Sean Hansen. And then our owner of the week, owner of Lady Campbell, Darlene Craig, wife of the late Carl Craig, is yeah. our owner. Yeah, Lady Campbell, outstanding win, her second at the meeting. Trainer Tom Wenzel and Darlene Craig, yeah, committed to racing after her husband, Carl. Wow, what a what a great addition to Washington racing he was as a breeder and an owner. Carl Craig passed away uh, in early 2019. So uh, Darlene Craig, the widow of Carl, gets owner of the week. So, uh, yeah, so we've got 11 races each day. We've got a little pick seven, jackpot pick seven carryover going into Wednesday. Check news and notes at emeralddowns.com. Uh, tremendous job by Vince every week updating that. There is just a ton of information there. I, I never miss it. Uh, always helps me in my handicapping and, and my presentation uh, on race day at Emerald Downs and with this show as well. So news and notes at emeralddowns.com. And by the way, John Lindley of Parkers, he rattled off another six winners in 10 races on last Wednesday. He's had a couple six and five win days here recently. Yeah, I know he really liked that three-year-old stand too, who that was, is really a sharp horse right now. And I think he was fourth favorite in a six-horse field, actually. He day. was. It was a tough race, and, and uh, him and Spittin' Image yep. went at each other from the bell and went head and head to the wire. And stand two is one of those three-year-olds who's just getting better every race out. So he'll be fun to follow next year oh you bet uh that is uh, a really good three-year-old so we're gonna have picks we're gonna have trivia we're gonna have some stats but uh in a moment we're gonna get with john white our good friend from washington and we'll do that in a moment here on horse racing northwest Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days with that much free cash on the line what do you have to lose get started at first.com slash bet that's number one st.com slash bet and don't forget promo code sport of kings when you sign up and if you already have an express bet account you're way ahead of the game simply log into first bet using your username and password and you're off to the races a be 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with first bet and reside in the state where such activity is legal void to prohibit nationally on support line 800-522-4700 Horse Racing Northwest continues, and it's always our pleasure to welcome Spokane native and uh, fantastic historian, and handicapper, publicist, and morning line maker, John White, joining us on Horse Racing Northwest prior to the Breeders' Cup. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, racing official as well. Yeah, that's right. Steward, one of the youngest stewards in racing history and uh, still applying his trade there. And John, uh, first of all, uh, you didn't, you, know, you don't have to make the morning line for the Breeders' Cup, which is quite a chore. But let's go back to 2009 when uh, Zenyatta was undefeated. Uh, boy, the Mosses could have retired her 
and a runner in the distaff that year. She would have been probably two to five and she would have won and she would have retired undefeated. But no, uh, boy, they were real sports and ran her at a distance. She had never run a mile and a quarter. They ran her against the boys for the first time. And John White, morning line maker at Santa Anita, put her at five to two. Morning line. And uh, Andrew Beyer uh, just about went out of his gourd there, you know, thinking, oh, this mare, what the, what's going on against all these world-renowned uh mile and a quarter horses, males, <laughs> and he uh, publicly expressed his uh, discontent with that morning line. And Vince, you remember what she paid when she won the Breeders' Cup Classic in one of the greatest races of all time? Five to two, right on the button, Yeah, right on the morning line. John, congratulations for that. We'll never forget that one. I don't think many people will. That was uh, really outstanding. We were rooting for you as well as Zenyatta that day. Well, uh, the pressure was on. That was my first year making the morning line at uh, Santa Anita, which back then it was the Oak Tree meeting at Santa Anita. And um, so that was my first mm. of six classics. I've made the morning line wow. for six Breeders' Cups. And uh, one of the things that kind of helped me on that a little bit was I didn't know what kind of a price to make Rip Van Winkle from Europe, but I went up to Patrick Bioncombe between races because this is a guy I, I really respect his opinion. He's a real sharp gambler in addition to being a very accomplished trainer. He trained uh, the winner of the ARC, the only ARC I've been at in France, hmm. Bagasse, in 1984, and he trained in 1983 all along who was the horse of the year in the United States, but really was the horse of the world because she won the ARC. And then she came to the uh, North America, and uh, within the span of about 42, 43 days, something like that, uh, from the ARC, she won uh, the Canadian International at Woodbine, the Turf Classic at Aqueduct, and what was the equivalent of the Breeders' Cup turf before we had the Breeders' Cup inaugurated the next year in 1984, and that was the Washington, D.C. International. Wow. That's still one of the most phenomenal achievements by a female thoroughbred I've ever seen, by any kind of thoroughbred I've ever seen, but also one of the great training achievements I've ever seen. That's just phenomenal to keep, uh, mm. you know, a, a female thoroughbred at that high a level shipping halfway across the world. She did it in three different countries on two different continents. So and those were all against uh, open competition, correct? That's correct. Yeah. All against the boys and all against wow. the all comers. So uh, that. That to me, and she was a very richly uh, voted Horse of the Year in North America that year. So, I, And I'll tell you something else about Patrick Bioncone is he's a very good poker player. I mean, he's been very successful at that. I would never want to sit down at the poker table with that guy because he would eat me for lunch. And so I respect his opinion, you know, in terms of betting. And prior to Zenyatta's Breeders' Cup, I went down to the paddock when he ran a horse. He was stabled at Santa Anita that year. And I said, Patrick, what about the Europeans? And most especially, what about Rip Van Winkle? And he looked at me and he said, no chance. Hmm. And I said, what? And he said, they have no chance against Zenyatta. He said, Zenyatta will win. Wow. And okay. I said, wow, that's uh, you know quite a bold statement. And he said, not really. And he says, I don't think she's gotten the proper credit. And this is rather ironic since I received the criticism from Andrew Beyer for the morning line I made. 
because Patrick Bianconi criticized Bayer for the Bayer speed figures that he was assigning Zenyatta, mm. feeling that they were under what they should have been, lower than what they should have been. So it helped me, you know, have a clue as to not get too high on Rip Van Winkle. In other words, give him respect, but not too much respect. Because if I would have had to give Rip Van Winkle even more respect, that would have meant having to raise Zenyatta from five to two to three to one or seven to two in order to balance the race. So that was valuable input, just part of the input, you know, in recent years, one thing that has helped me for the Breeders' Cup is a thing, uh, a website called Odds Checker in Europe. And there they have, for the past uh, several months, as a matter of fact, they have the European bookmakers' odds for the Breeders' Cup races. And uh, you have to be careful because they're not quite up on, for instance, horses that have been retired or aren't running. And you also have to take into account that's European betting versus for here, the Breeders' Cup, it is a world pool. There's betting on it all over the world, but it's mainly a United States pool, so you have to take that into account. So anytime you make the morning line, you've got to weigh all these many, many, many factors, especially when you're making it for something like the Breeders' Cup where horses are coming in from all over the world. It's one thing to make the morning line for, say, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes, one of our three Triple Crown races, but those are three-year-olds, you know, you'll get some horses, uh, maybe a horse from Japan now and then, a horse from Dubai now and then, that type of thing. But nothing like the Breeders' Cup, where they're for all these races, they're coming in from all over the world, literally from all over the world. So that's one of the challenging aspects uh, to make the morning line for the Breeders' Cup. And believe me, there are many, many challenges involved with that task. Well, yeah, 14 races or so and a large field size, <laughs> that takes some work. And I know a couple of few times in recent years, you've had to have that morning line out really quickly, correct? Well, let's put it this way. They draw on Monday, this coming Monday for the Breeders' Cup. And if they do what they have done the last two years, and I fully expect that they will, and that means last year at Santa Anita, uh, when the Breeders' Cup was held here at Santa Anita, they will uh, have the morning line listed immediately after the draw. So in other words, Mike Battaglia will have submitted his morning line prior to mm. the post-position draw. I've been, started making morning lines in the Pacific Northwest in the 1970s, a mm. Playfair race course. And uh, in all the years and all the tracks I've made the morning line at, it's the only time last year's Breeders' Cup where I had to submit my morning line before knowing what post position a horse would be breaking from. And I can tell you I was holding my breath because, you know, if you have some horse in a 14-horse race on the turf and they draw the 14-hole, I mean, that could certainly change who you might even make the favorite. I will say this, uh, Jim Gluckson, who was uh, uh, prominent uh, in the management of the Breeders' Cup ever since it was launched in 1984 at Hollywood Park, when he contacted me last year, I think he thought that I would be, you know, throwing a fit, saying, I can't, how can I make a morning line before I know the post positions and everything? But because I was on top of it, knowing they had done that the year before, I was prepared for that. And I said, you know, it wouldn't be my preference, but I know why you're doing it. Uh, and so, you know, certainly I, I'll do it. So in other words, they let me know a Monday morning who was in the race. And then I had to submit the morning line prior to the post position draws. And I got lucky and that's what it is. Lucky 
that there were really no bad post positions that could affect the betting too much in terms of uh, after the draw. But And I will say this, and I said this to Mr. Gluckson, in the five previous Breeders' Cups I had made uh, morning lines for, there was probably only three, four, five times in which a post position really affected what I did with the morning line. So in other words, I would say 98, 97, 99% of the time, that's not going to influence my morning line. Uh, it isn't as bad as, say, the Kentucky Derby if a horse draws the number one post or the number two post. Even that's a little better now because they've got that new starting gate. But still, the betting perception is that that is not where you want to be for the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, if you're a morning line maker and you see a horse like Tis the Law that would be a favorite draw the inside, you might bump up his price a tad. Or if it's a case where you don't have a slam dunk favorite, you could actually switch favoritism. There was a juvenile Phillies turf one year uh, at Santa Anita where they're going uh, on the turf. And uh, the favorite that I had was from the Mark Cassie barn, and she drew the 14 hole. And I did switch favoritism there. And I was glad that I did it because when I read the post, uh, uh, the quotes for after the post positions were drawn that the Breeders' Cup put out, Cassie was so upset at that post position, he said, I might not run her. Mm. <laughs> so I was certainly glad that I switched her from favoritism, and uh, she did not go favored in the race, but he did run her. But uh, And one of the biggest situations in making a morning line for the Breeders' Cup is knowing which race these horses are going to run in. And I'll give you a real prime example of that was in 2012. We had a two-year-old filly by the name of uh, Beholder. And the word was Beholder, who had, she'd only won one race. Keep that in mind. She'd finished fourth in her debut at Hollywood Park. She'd won a maiden race at Del Mar and then lost the Del Mar debutante by a nose at odds of eight to one. So that was her form coming into the Breeders' Cup. But it was clear as good as she ran in that Del Mar debutante, she was a contender if she ran. But that year, they also had a race called the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint. And Richard Mandela, the Hall of Fame trainer, kept saying all the way up until even the morning of the draw that he was planning on running Beholder in the Juvenile Sprint, not the Juvenile Phillies at a mile and a 16th. So I had my morning line made up, and it was a pretty tough addition that year because you had executive privilege who was undefeated for Bob Baffert coming off her narrow win in the Del Mar debutante. You had uh, a dreaming of Julia who was undefeated in New York and won the Frazette stakes. Uh, you had Kawhi Katie from the Todd Pletcher barn who was undefeated and had won the matron stakes. I mean, that was a pretty salty, it wasn't a huge field, only eight because behold, when I got to the trailer, and they informed me who was in which race. The first race they handed me was the juvenile sprint. And lo and behold, Beholder was not in the race. So that affected my morning line for that race because she wasn't in it. And it really affected my morning line for the juvenile fillies because she was in that race. And I ended up making executive privilege the two-to-one morning line favorite. I made Beholder and Dreaming of Julia co-second favorites at five-to-two. And Kawhi Katie, the fourth choice on the morning line at three to one. 
Executive privilege did go off as the favorite in the race, so I was right on that, and I take great pride in having the right favorite most of the time. At the recently concluded Santa Anita meet, I was at 79%, uh, in, and I've never been under 70% in terms of favoritism uh, for a Santa Anita meet. Uh, one meet, I was at 70.0, so fortunately I didn't dip down to 69.9 on that one. But uh, So I did have the right favorite and executive privilege, who finished second as the 3-2 to two favorite. Beholder, who I made 5-2 to two on the morning line, went off at 7-2 to two and paid $9.80 to win. But as I say, you get all these curveballs thrown at you. It's tough enough, and Vince Broom can certainly relate to this, having been a morning line maker himself, uh, that uh, it's tough enough to make the morning line. But when you don't even know really who's in which race until the, you sit down and have to make it right then and there, and that's where what I'll do in these cases of like uh, Swiss Skydiver this year, if I were making the morning line, I would have a morning line for the distaff with Swiss Skydiver preliminarily. I would have a morning line uh, for the distaff preliminarily without Swiss Skydiver and the distaff. And then in the classic, I would have one with Swiss Skydiver and without Swiss Skydiver. But And you can see how that can get complicated if you get two or three horses that uh, yeah. you know could pop in various races. So. Because with the classic, you could oftentimes get a horse like a art collector. It, it's almost certain he's running in the dirt mile. But some years, you don't really know a horse like art collector if he's running in the dirt mile or in the classic until you sit down the day of entries. And it doesn't give you – it helps you a little bit, but not all that much. Because Monday, uh, they had the pre-entries for this year. When the pre-entries are announced on Wednesday, they'll give their first and second preferences that many times a horse that has a race as their second preference ends up being the one they're entered in. You can't, you, you can't uh, trust that uh, just because a horse is listed as the first preference for a race, that's exactly where they're going. It doesn't work that way. So that, that doesn't even really help you too much. What I think is interesting, John, uh, is you're doing a morning line for the Breeders' Cup, and you are making really superior horses that have a lot of ability, proven ability, 12, 15, 20, and even 30 to 1. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that that is probably the most difficult aspect of the where you look at a horse and you go, man, this is really a nice horse. And then you sit there and realize, well, yeah, he's a really nice horse, but most likely he's going to get lost in the shuffle in the betting. Or, and that can get tricky because if you make a horse, you know, a pretty big price, thinking that he's not going to get respect, and then then you're wrong, and they, they actually, off their record, they do get betting respect. You, you know, you could make a horse 8-1, to one, even 12-1, to 15-1, to one, and, and you could be way off because they ended up going off at 3-1 to one or 4-1 to one because they're really nice horses. So that's a real, I mean, you're right, Vince. And, and even the horses, like you say, Vince, that you're making 20 and 30, I mean, often are pretty darn nice horses, I mean, just to be in the Breeders' Cup. So it, it's a challenge. I mean, and, and like I say, I will say there's nothing like experience, though. And the fact I know to anticipate a lot of the curves I get just because now I've got six of the Breeders' Cups under my belt. So in other words, with each one, part of the problem, though, is they've changed the dynamic of when you have to have the line in 
there's never been, through the six Breeders' Cups, I've made the morning line, there's never been the same system each time. And as I say, they threw me a major curve in 2019 when they said, we need the morning line even before you know the post position. So um, it, it's a huge challenge. And uh, fortunately, I feel like I've come through them pretty well. We uh, we had Anthony Stabile on last week, and, and uh, he was talking about really looking forward to the Classic this year. And I'm sure uh, you've had a little look at it. And it does seem to be coming up really a great race. It, it is. It looks like a very good classic. You've got a very popular three-year-old in Tis the Law. You've got the Kentucky Derby winner in Authentic. We might have the Preakness winner in Swiss Skydiver. So there's some real, uh, you know, oh, interest yeah. in the race with those, the big three three-year-olds. And then you've got a big three from the Bob Bamper barn. You've got uh, Improbable, who would be the horse right now that I would make the favorite. Uh, pending on these last-minute workouts and so forth. But I would make him the favorite at this time because he's got three big races that he's won uh, in impressive fashion, earning big buyer speed figures, and those buyers drive the betting to a large extent. And a big point in favor of uh, Improbable is he's won on both the West Coast and the East Coast. That win in New York is big. Personally, I think he's kind of vulnerable uh, and one thing I try to do is if I feel that uh, I have a, a negative or a positive in a horse, there's going to be an awful lot of people out there that have the same thought. So you don't want to to uh, underestimate the uh, intelligence of the betting public. And, you know, Improbable has had a problem on many occasions when he is shipped out of California. The problem is he gets worked up in the starting gate. Now, he it didn't bite him in the Whitney but it has bitten him many times before. In other words, I would feel more comfortable about Improbable as the favorite and his chances to win if the race was at Santa Anita or Del Mar this year. But because it's at Keeneland, that's still a little bit of a concern to me. But I think the fact that he's an older horse, has won an open company you know, against everybody, unlike the three-year-olds who have been beating three-year-olds, and running against three-year-olds, you know, I think that carries the day for Improbable. I mean, when you look at that Gold Cup at all, and remember the Gold Cup, the Hollywood Gold Cup produced the Breeders' Cup Classic winner last year, Vino Rosso, and Improbable was so impressive that day. Then, of course, the big win in, in the uh, Whitney that he wins by three lengths, and then then he, he just couldn't have been more impressive than the Awesome again against Maximum Security to end Maximum Security's winning streak. And he won that race, he being improbable with authority. And those buyers of 105, 106, 108, uh, Frank Miramani, who was the track announcer at Santa Anita, a very good friend of mine and a very good handicapper. He was the guest of Tom Quigley on the uh, pre-race uh, handicapping seminar on weekends at Santa Anita during the entire fall meet. And Frank, I know, absolutely thinks improbable is the most probable winner at the entire Breeders' Cup this mm. year. So, I mean, he's just absolutely convinced. So I, I really feel at this point he would be the favorite. Uh, and tis the law, while he's been favored in his last several races, he is coming off a loss. So if he had won the Kentucky Derby, he probably would be the Breeders' Cup classic favorite. But he did, he did get beat in the Kentucky Derby. And so I think that could be the key, that, uh, or one of the keys, to keep him from favoritism. And I would be inclined at this point to maybe make Tesla Law maximum security co-second favorites. 
Maybe not. It would depend on who all actually ends up in the entry box and uh, how many you know, points I needed here and there and that type of thing. But um, maximum security is a tricky read in this because, again, if he'd won the awesome again, there's a pretty good chance he would have been the Breeders' Cup Classic favorite. Sure. He would have had that string of victories plus a win in the richest race on the planet, the, the $20 million Saudi Cup. Uh, but the fact that maximum security not only lost in the awesome again, but lost by four and a half lengths than probable. He, I don't, he's not going to be the favorite in the classic. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, so in other words, if I had to make a second favorite, it would be tis the law. Cause I think there's a slight chance he could go favored with this popularity and so forth. But, and if the breeders cup was in New York, I would make tis the law the favorite because he's run so well in New York, but mm. tis the law hasn't run at Keeneland, so we don't know whether or not he likes Keeneland. We know that Churchill is not one of his favorite tracks because he's run eight times and lost twice, and both defeats were at Churchill Downs. Yeah. But Churchill and, and Keeneland are two different tracks, uh, so you can't, you're not going to really hold that against him at Keeneland necessarily. Okay, John White joining us, and John, uh, uh, let fans know where they can get your information uh, leading up to the Breeders' Cup. Well, that's at expressbet.com each week, and it's kind of hard to find on the website, but you go to the news section, and then you go to the blog session, section and click on that, and it'll be in there amongst all the blogs. Yep. So that's the best way to find it. Um, that's and, great. Uh, I, I will have my annual Breeders' Cup selections coming out. Uh, uh, it, that generally goes about Wednesday, Thursday before the Breeders' Cup, so you can look for that. Very good, and we want to give you kudos. You were on with us uh, Long Acres Mile Week and picked another twist of fate, who uh, ended up paying 440 and won very easily, and that was a, a heck of a training job by Blaine Wright, as that horse, of course, had a lot of ability, but he'd been off. Uh, well, he was the first horse in Long Acres Mile history to win the race without having a previous start in the calendar year. So, uh, last time you were on. Good stuff. And uh, well, well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the training job because, to me, that ranks as one of the best training jobs of the entire year anywhere. I mean, that's how impressive a job I think that was by Blaine Wright. And when you consider that another twist of fate had not raced since the 2019 Preakness Stakes, for Pete's sake, and the the way he had worked that horse at Golden Gate Fields, especially that six furlong drill of 110 and change that George Quattrell of the Daily Racing Forum pointed out that it was tied for the fastest workout yeah. ever since Golden Gate had gone to Tapita. So, yeah. I mean, that, that was really a key, I thought. And I had mentioned on your podcast that I liked another twist of fate not only to win, but I liked him as strong stronger than any horse I've liked in the Long Acres Miles going back to Point Piper, who I absolutely loved and uh, talked him up on the win play show that Sunday morning. And in the case of Point Piper, he broke the track record and paid twelve twenty. Mm. And I, as I said on your podcast, I knew that another twist of fate wasn't going to pay anywhere close to twelve twenty. I knew he was going to be a pretty strong favorite. But I really felt confident that, that he was ready to fire and he was just the class of the race. But again, a, a ton of credit needs to go to Blaine, right? Yeah. And Peter, um, Redica, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> See, I'm so choked up over that <laughs> win by another twist of fate. It's choking me up. 
But I, I want to really, I was so pleased for the connections to the owner and trainer from the standpoint that it's a race that they really wanted to win. And they had finished second in the previous two editions of the Long Acres Mile with Alert Bay in 2018. Any port, port in a storm, a very tough beat by a head in uh, 2019. I will say, though, that, that the 2019 edition of the prestigious Long Acres Mile had the greatest race call in the history of <laughs> That's the Long Acres right. Mile. Okay. okay. Well, thanks, John. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I I was forced to get involved in that, and uh, you know, it felt good afterwards because I, I didn't goof it up. But uh, I appreciate that. That was uh, that was actually, you know, going back in in history of me being in this game. That was uh, a lot of fun to be part of the mile in that way. But John, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, John's uh, blog at expressbet.com, and he'll have his Breeders' Cup selections out there next week. The draw for this year's Breeders' Cup is on Monday. So, John, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care, John. John White joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. And, uh, yeah, gosh, Vince, uh, you can fully appreciate more now making the morning line for the Breeders' Cup with all those races and all those horses oh from my. all those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting a, a shipper up from California is enough to throw a monkey wrench into an inexperienced line maker like me. So, but you, we know John, Joe, and he, no one works harder at that stuff than he does. He, he gets every possible scrap of information uh, before he composes that morning line. And I say it every time, but I could talk racing with John from now to midnight, oh. and he would do it, and it would be enjoyable and interesting. We've done it a few times. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So he's always a great guest. Oh, yeah. John is just uh, so fun to uh, have a dinner with and... Uh, you need to find a restaurant where they're not, they don't want to kick you out after three hours because uh, you need <laughs> you need that time. Hey, um, let's do our uh, stat of the week before we go to Bill Tillette. Um, my stat this week regards uh, two-year-old racing at Emerald Downs. Now, one thing we had an advantage of in this 2020 meeting and, and uh, management and horsemen got together to produce this meeting, which has been a great success uh, here at Emerald Downs. Uh, we didn't start till June 24th, so we do know that two-year-olds had a little more time to get ready. But uh, this is our um, uh, most two-year-old races percentage-wise since 2010. We're going to have over 10% of our races are juvenile races, which is always a good sign for the future because those are your horses that uh, fill races the next year. So most uh, percentage of two-year-old races compared to all races Ten and a half percent since 2010, and field size was good this year for the two-year-olds. Counting tomorrow's uh, or counting Thursday's race, uh, one two-year-old race, we're going to be about uh, 7.6 field size for the two-year-old races. And uh, 2018 beat that at 7.8, but you got to go way back to 2006 before another 7.8. So good field size and number of two-year-old races. Uh, signal some good stuff for next and, year. And two superior two-year-olds. Dutton, the yeah. two-year-old male, and time for gold, the two-year-old filly. It'll be great to follow those as they progress in their careers. I got a couple stats this week, okay. Joe. Ran into Juan Gutierrez in the hallway this morning. He said, hey, do you know, uh, would you be able to compare my lifetime at Emerald Downs to Galen Mitchell's? I said, yeah, I can get that. And uh, and he because he said, I think it's pretty close. And boy, he had a good feel. Listen hmm. to this. 
Galen Mitchell, uh, this is just uh, wins and starts at Emerald Downs, 8,132 mounts, 1,419 wins, 17.4 win percentage. Juan Gutierrez, 8,192 mounts, 1,421 wins, 17.3 win wow. percentage. So almost exact between the two. No so kidding. I'll get that information to one. Their earnings are almost exactly the same, 14.9 million versus 15.2 million. They both had great Juan, careers here. Juan's number one Juan's there. number one there, yeah. And uh, Juan did say, I got three miles, but Galen did get two. Yep. So a uh, couple of great riders here. Uh, my other stat, um, Hollywood Heat runs in race one on Thursday in a really interesting sprint. Hollywood Heat produced the biggest $2 win mutual this season, $105.60 on August 13th. And also went off the longest price in the history of the Long Acres Mile, yeah. 129.80 to 1. So Hollywood Heat's always got some big numbers attached to his name this year. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Hollywood Heat, longest mile shot ever. Um, he didn't win that one, but he did win and pay over 100 bucks this year. Let's take a short break, and we'll come back with trainer Bill Tillett here on Horse Racing Northwest. Muckleshoot Casino is your destination for more than 3,000 gaming machines, action-packed table games, and the largest smoke-free area in the state, plus a newly remodeled casino floor and new center bar. Use your player's club card to earn points for free play, meals, or cash back. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Visit us online to learn more about our safety measures. Horse Racing Northwest continues, and uh, a special guest for us, uh, boy, year in, year out, we've seen this name going back to the late 1960s at Long Acres. He's been there, he's been productive, he has been an awesome part of Washington racing, and he's still got that Texas drawl after all these years in the Northwest. Welcome to Bill Tillett to Horse Racing Northwest. Bill, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, thanks for joining us, myself and Vince Brune here. And and Bill, uh, what a career. Uh, we'll recap that a little bit. But uh, how about uh, your your decision to retire from thoroughbred training at the end of this season? Uh, age. <laughs> well, you know, I just commented. I remember when you turned 80, and it turns out that was a few years ago, more than I thought. Time does march on, but uh, uh, you're still pretty healthy, aren't you? I am, yes. That's great. Uh, tell us how you got to the Pacific Northwest. I came here as a soldier boy. Mm. They draft, I got drafted. They shipped me to Seattle. And uh, this is where I met my wife. And so that's the whole thing about Seattle. So you we've, you we've been here and been gone and back again. And Donna, your wife has been uh, a huge part of your operation. I know uh, she's got to be an outstanding horsewoman. Has she ever has she ever snapped at you and said, "I should be training these horses"? <laughs> no, she's never done that, huh? Well, that's a credit no. to her because yeah. I know she's picked up a lot over the years and has helped you at the barn a lot, and you. You've had some kids involved. David was uh, an assistant trainer and just a great hand for so many years. And Daryl uh, still at the track uh, working on the starting gate. But 
a soldier boy. So you were drafted right around Korean War time then, weren't you? Uh, yeah, during the Korean War, I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we came here. Uh, I thought we was going to get shipped out of here, and we ended up in a real small site where there's about a hundred and fifty guys, and, uh, and then we ended up in uh, early de- defense deal. We had a 120 cannon that we uh, that was supposedly due to the shoot to shoot the planes down when they come come across from uh, Canada. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's what we were, that's what I was in. Okay. Uh, yeah. Army outfit. Were you around horses a little bit growing up uh, in Texas? Yes, it was. I had horses uh, pretty well all my life since I was a little bitty kid. In fact, the first horse I had, my dad put me on the horse, and I the boots I had for my feet were too small. I mean, too big, and uh, they had to hold the boots on to get me on the horse without losing my, losing them. <laughs> Bill, a heck of a career! Over a thousand career wins, three hundred eleven here at Emerald Downs. You got one last week with Mitch and John E, who ran a huge race. Who's maybe a couple of the, of the better horses you you recall over the years in your barn? Well, of course, you got to start with Harmony Creek. Um, he was a very good horse, and he won a graded stake in California. He went all graded stakes, actually. Pretty big. Anyway, uh, yeah. uh, well, I don't know. I well, think of the of the horses. But Bill, 1989, when Harmony Creek was a three-year-old, uh, he won a sprint stake at Long Acres. He might have won two, actually, early in the season. And then uh, you had to give him some time off. But uh, uh, tell us about that, that time between those sprint stake wins. It was three and a half months or so, and then the uh, Long Acres Derby in August. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, this is all right. There was really not a lot wrong. The horse ended up with a little bit of an ankle. And I worked on the ankle, and we got it going very well. And then uh, there was no place to run him uh, here at Long Acres. That is, mm-hmm. there was no place to run him. He he, and and there was like we entered uh, five horses. They wrote one stake and extra for for the horses, and there's only five horses entered it, and they wouldn't use it. And uh, uh, that went on for a good long time, and and so we, and he was off for like ninety days, and uh, of course we trained him to, we thought to be able to run a mile and eight mile and water, for sure, and uh, he ran a very well, very good race and won it. Oh boy, you know Vince at Vince Brune here at the top of the show mentioned uh, his work between races at a mile and Vince uh, watched that and said that horse is going to win the Long Acres Derby and coming off a long layoff against a Charlie Whittingham shipper and other solid horses you were really confident that week I remember interviewing you that week and you were full of confidence on that horse I thought he would win really and truly he, he had trained very very well and I worked him actually a mile and a quarter uh he was, I think we, he was down as working a mile and we worked to actually let him go out very, very strong as a mile and a quarter. And I thought by doing that, that, that he would have enough air being, it was all so long. And, 
so it was, it was very fortunate that we turned out it turned out that way well and and then you ran him back in a week in the mile which didn't really happen too much three-year-olds in against older in fact very rarely and he ran a heck of a race finished in, third yeah he finished third to simply majestic who won two straight miles and was a big part of two breeders cup races as well was simply majestic uh uh, he ran in the 80, 88 and 89 Breeders' Cups. So Harmony Creek, yeah, a Washington bred owned by Brian Mayer, trained by Bill Tillett, really uh, a very memorable Washington bred. And uh, I know uh, you've had some other top horses over the years. Uh, and just how about the streak of 52 straight years with one uh, at least one win, Bill? Uh, you have to be proud of that, too. I am. The one win that I'm most proud about was just a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mitch and Johnny. Yeah. Bill, part of Emerald Downs uh, since our opening season and uh, all 26 seasons with a win. Where, where, uh, are, where are you and Donna going to retire to, Bill? San Antonio, Texas. That's where I was born and raised. And uh, we're going to go back. And uh, I have a lot of family there. And... Uh, we're going to move back in there for a while, see how, how things go. That's the only great. thing about San Antonio, it gets kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, we we have our, our hot days, but uh, you can count them on probably two hands uh, here in, in a yearly annual season here in the Northwest. But uh, you, you grew up there. You'll get used to it early. And just uh it's been great following you your horse has been ready you've been in some big spots and uh kind of the strong silent type texan bill to let is going to retire and uh those of you that are able to watch uh, on our simulcast feed or be at emerald downs because you're an owner uh, we're going to talk to bill and donna in the winner's circle on thursday and and pay tribute there as well but uh bill thanks so much for joining us uh Horse Racing Northwest, you have been a huge part of horse racing in the Northwest. I sure Yeah, that's right. I appreciate it, by the way. Well, thank you, Bill. Thanks, for, Bill. Well, some great memories in Washington racing, and we'll see you at the track this week. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate it. Well, thanks again to trainer Bill Tillette and his wife, Donna, uh, retiring after Thursday. And they're starting their final horse. And uh, let's just take a listen to a stakes winner here at Emerald Downs a few years ago from the Tillette Barn. Flamethrown Texan still in front, drifting a bit. Spanish Highway coming on strongly. Spanish Highway ranges up and takes the lead with Flamethrown Texan kicking on the inside. It's Spanish Highway on the outside. I think it's got it. Spanish Highway and a bob of the head with Flamethrown Texan. Spanish Highway under Ken Towhill winning that Fox Sports net in a photo over flamethrowing Texan, who was really hard to beat at this track. And, boy, you heard some of those names in there, Vince. Starboard Road, Wasserman, Flying Notes, The Great Face, Demon Warlock, Suicide Cruise. That was one tough 10-horse field. At least three-mile winners in there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, three Long Acres mile winners in that race. Spanish Highway beat them for trainer Bill Tillette. So we'll give further tribute to Bill and Donna on Thursday during racing at Emerald Downs. Hey, let's go to uh, 
what do we got to do on this show? We got uh, we have the Breeders' Cup coming up November 6th and 7th, which Emerald Downs is open for full card simulcasting uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Breeders' Cup Friday, Saturday, the 6th and the 7th. We did our stat of the week. Let's go to uh, trivia. Last week's question was, uh, which broodmare has the most progeny races won at Emerald Downs? Emerald Downs races, a broodmare, of course, add up all the wins from all of the horses that she's produced. And we have two tied at the top. I can't believe one of our listeners got this answer right. This is, this is. Uh, must have been Warren. It was Warren. He's Warren. awesome. Warren is awesome, man. And those two, which Vince is aware of, Peaceful Wings, who has uh, 14 winners here at Emerald Downs, 14 separate horses have won. The most uh, winners from one, I believe, is, uh, well, I have that written down somewhere. And Share the Night, Wasserman's Dam, they both have 46 wins at Emerald Downs, which is uh, way out in front of anybody else. So uh, Warren has been keeping track of that stuff. Wasserman number one from Share the Night, and I have that here on, uh, I think it was So What About had nine wins. That's what I want to say for uh, Peaceful Wings. And she has one running still, Lansky. If he picks up another win, she'll move on top. But that's uh, Emerald Downs history. Peaceful Wings and Share the Night both have 46 victories at Superb. this point. Mucho, mucho productivo. Yeah. This week's question, and send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Harmony Creek for trainer Bill Tillette raced in the 1989 Super Derby at Louisiana Downs. After winning the uh, Long Acres Derby, running third in the Long Acres Mile, he then ran in the Super Derby. And that, sun, that sun, was a big race back then. Sunday Silence won it. Yeah. And then his next out was, of course, the Breeders' Cup Classic in that uh, all-time matchup against Easy Goer. Okay, which uh, Emerald Downs era horse ran in the Super Derby? Can you come up with that answer? There's an Emerald Downs era horse that ran in the Super Derby. So send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. So uh, what else we got to do here? We got some selections. Last week, we both uh, picked the same race, which we usually don't do Thursday um, no, that was Wednesday. There was a Philly and Mare Sprint. You picked Zanab, who, by the way, retired a beautiful winner last week at Emerald yeah. Down. So I'm giving that away. Already, you, already, you picked the winner. Already shipped out to the Ross Farm. Yeah, I told you that was a racing club horse. That's three straight years with multiple wins for Zanab. She had a nice career, and she came up here. She was only like three for 30 lifetime, had lost 26 in a row in one stretch. Larry Ross picked her out, and... Uh, she was a nice success story up Seven there. for 16 at this track. That is tremendous. Almost 50% winner here at Emerald Downs. So Zanab beat my selection, Classic Leah, who and ran a big race. She yeah. was, she, uh, I kind of envisioned her on the pace scenario to get the lead. You she did. Right. She ran well at Zanab about Zanab had to work really hard to get by her. You were right about that. And uh, that was a, a good run and a good $23 cold exact that we gave him, Joe. We gave him a cold exact last week. My other selection, Alpine Hypnosis on Thursday, a two-year-old maiden race. He was off the pace, and, uh, of course, Speed Horses did so well on Thursday. Uh, what do you have for I, us? I had Barabbas, who okay. ran fourth. Yeah. He's going to run again uh, Thursday, isn't he? He is, and I'm going to pick him again. It's, okay. Uh, sometimes we get obsession horses as oh, handicappers. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, 
So let's go to Wednesday. Do you have a pick for Wednesday? I do. Uh, Wednesday, well, that's it. Wednesday, okay. October 28th, race 11, Barabbas. Um, last race was a parade. The, every horse pretty much ran in position all the way around there at five furlongs. There actually was a rider switch to Gerardo Martin that's not showing in the form. It shows Alex mm. Anaya. That was right after he won on stand two. He did take off. And as a three-year-old with only two career starts, I think this one still has some upside. So Barabbas at 12 to 1 for 12, me. 12 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, Mike Operator has been absolutely awesome in his last couple of races here at Emerald Downs. I mean, he went to a mile. He ran a mile maiden race at Santa Anita uh, sometime back in his career. And boy, he was sent to a mile. He just goes to the front. Now, I don't know if, if he's a machine... He's going to be favored. He figures to be favored. He should be favored. There's a couple toughies in there, though. Purely political. I'm going to go with the upset. That horse has come up here and run two outstanding races. So I'm going to go purely political. Who is your second choice on the morning line? Five to two behind Mike Operator. And I'm going to go for him with a, a, just a slight upset there over Mike Operator on Wednesday. Thursday, I'm going to go to a bomber on Thursday. Let's right. go to the fifth race, this two-year-old race, our last two-year-old race of the week. There's Phillies in there. There's Colts. It's a maiden claimer for maiden 15,000. Uh, do second-time starters ever pay good, Vince? Yeah, they do. Yeah, you gave us a nice one at Woodbine the other day, as a matter of fact. That one was all right. Uh Special lesson number nine of 11 is a filly, a second timer by Harbor the Gold out of Independence Fever. First foal from that mare who was unraced herself, but the second dam was good. A lesson in deceit, a real popular turf paradise horse is out of Independence Fever. Um, no, no, Independence Fever is a sister to lesson in deceit, the dam. Okay, let's not get confused. Anyway, special lessons, a second time starter from Satchel Stevens Barn with Francisco Diaz Lopez, 30 to one on the morning line. She broke a little bit slowly in her debut. Unlimited data plan won it easily, but special lesson ran on. Uh, those two-year-olds that, you know, are green early or slow early to catch on. Okay, this is the first time I've done this. Now I see. Now she ran fourth of seven. She passed some horses in that final three-eighths, and uh, the family's okay. Uh, I'm just going to say that she's going to improve a little bit here, and uh, well, quite a bit. She's got some Colts to run against. Naval Escort should be tough. Uh, he's coming out of the Gottstein, and he has run uh, two good maiden races, a second and a fourth, and he's actually stakes place. So I he's think, the, yeah, let's declare peace. Had a big buyer. I think people are going to get behind that, yeah, too. She, yeah, she ran really well. That's a filly trained by Joe Toy. Figures to be tough up front as well. But I, I'm looking for some second out improvement on special lesson. I like it. Bomber. And you don't have to twist my arm to get yeah. uh, second time starters interesting. Okay, I'll go to uh, race six on closing day. This is 2,500 claiming fillies and mares, which have not won a race since August 23rd or have never won four races. The horse I actually like here is a dual qualifier, which probably isn't a great thing. Um, she's an eagle, number one at six to one. I picked her last time. Her speed figures are very low, but she's run four straight decent races. And last time out, she had a rough trip. And uh, I think if Double Shot of Heaven and Sunshine Emily duel, and if that does happen, look out. I think she's got a chance uh, to get the money this time. Gary Wales, by the way, four for 10 when riding for Sharon Ross this season. They've wow. been a good late season combo here. So she's an eagle in pretty good form and will be a decent price. Yeah, four for 10 Wales. That's outstanding. 
and uh, she's been knocking on the door as well. So uh, six to one morning line for Vince on She's an Eagle race six. So we're going the fifth and sixth on closing day at Emerald Downs. First race, 5 p.m. Pacific getaway day. Before that, 11 races on Wednesday as well. Some great horses in action. Outstanding matchups betting-wise also. Thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest.